you have your Bibles for a few moments this morning, I want to take you to the book of Luke chapter 19. And I'm going to begin reading with verse number 1, Luke chapter 19. You know the challenge of any preacher or speaker, first of all, is to find people in the mood to hear what you have to say. And that's what our worship has been about getting us into that mood, that atmosphere where we could really hear from God. But more than that, it takes coming alongside people. And a great difficulty in saving and helping people, I have found, is the difficulty of getting alongside them, to try to reach out to them. Anybody here ever tried to save a drowning person? It's a very dangerous place to be. As a matter of fact, they say that many secondary drownings are the result of people trying to help somebody else drown because when you get close to them, they don't know whether you're enemy or help. And so they fight the very thing that has been sent to help them. And so I would hope that you would never view the preacher that way, but if I get close to you this morning, would you not hit me? Would you not take me under with you? Chapter 19. Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not see for the press or for the crowd, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. When they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that was a sinner. Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Jesus said unto him, This day, is salvation come to this house for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man comes to seek and to save that which was lost. What a powerful, powerful story. And I'm not going to give you my title yet because it would ruin it, but I will give you it in a minute. Everybody say amen. If you're ready for the Word of God, you may be seated. Now, I know that probably some of you are already thinking that this message doesn't really apply to you, but I would bear with, if you would just bear with me for a little while and stay alongside, maybe before I'm through, uh, there will be something that will get 
close to where you live. Of all that is said about this man, Zacchaeus, there is one word that I noticed that motivated everything that he did. There was one word that described him that told not only what kind of man he was, but his station in life. And it was that one word that motivated all of the other actions and all of the outcome of the story of Zacchaeus can be found in the root word that is used to describe him, and that word is little. Everybody say little. He was little of stature. And because he was little of stature, he could not see because of the crowd. He went ahead of them and he climbed up into a tree. What an undignified thing for a man of his position to do. But when you're little in life, you have to overcome the limitations of that littleness. You have to overcome the limitations that... Being small of stature brings to your life. And so this morning my subject is overcoming littleness. Overcoming littleness. Perhaps the greatest obstacle to overcoming the problems in life is found in that one word. Littleness. There is something about that word that resonates throughout every home, every family, every problem, every issue. How many times in life has a little been a lot? Everybody say a little. He was a little man. I, I personally believe that it is the difference between winning and losing, whining and praising. I believe that the difference in a man's life can be summed up in how he deals with the littleness of life or the little things in life. The word littleness, the definition of that, is very interesting. First of all, it means the property of lacking. Lacking physical strength, lacking mental strength, lacking meaning, lacking sincerity, short in duration, or not very much. Littleness means a liability to failure under pressure or stress, or strain. Somebody said it was his weakness increased as he grew older. The weakness of the span was overlooked until the collapse of the bridge. It was that little thing that caused a great problem. It was that lack of generosity that really mattered in the end. It was that 
lack of love that made the difference. Words that are associated with littleness are words like insufficient, weakness, small, short, rarely, narrow, petty, stunted, something less than all. Say that with me. Something less than all, littleness. It is seldom, it is infrequently, or it is lacking. It could speak of your patience. It could speak of your temper. It could speak of your kindness. It could speak of your efforts. It could speak of your attitude or disposition in life. It could be the word associated with your vision or your dreams. It could be the word that is connected to your hopes and your desires. It could be the word that the Lord connects with your faith. O ye of little faith. It could be the word that is, that, that is linked to your love. They had a little love. They were lacking. The thing that got Laodicea in in trouble was they had left their first love. They didn't lose it. They left it. Compassion. That may be a word that describes your compassion or your understanding. Littleness affects all of us in some way. I believe it is the problem of littleness that really limits life. I believe it is the problem of littleness that handicaps and sabotages relationships. I believe that it is the problem of littleness that hinders us in our effort to become a better person or to be a better husband or be a better wife or be a better person in general. I believe it is the problem of littleness that frustrates many good relationships, and it is the thing that tarnishes a reputation. He just had a little drinking problem. A little one. Everybody say little. He just had a little temper. But it's amazing how a little temper shows up at the wrong time and the wrong place, and life is fractured and broken because of little things. It frustrates. It tarnishes. It's at the heart of most human conflict. Most of the problems that go on between men and women, humanity, is not some big thing. It's some... You're with me. All right. Little. I want you to get that. I want you to get in your mind today what littleness can do to you, what it can keep you from, what it is keeping you from. It may be the fact that you just have a little bit of patience, and that is what spoils things in your life. I believe that if one could trace far enough back to the root of our problems, we would find this 
word little. Amen. I believe that it's the root of most people's misery. It's not a major thing. It's not a world away from us. It's just a little ways. But little can make a lot of a difference in your life. I believe that it is where we find ourselves so often in life in the struggle to be a better person or to find a better place in life that we find ourselves battling this thing called littleness. Now, I don't know about you, but every time I read Zacchaeus, my mind goes back to when I was a child. Because we used to sing about Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Anybody remember that song? A wee little man was he. But he climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. Is that it? Am I right? Is that, am I good so far? Somebody help me out with the rest of it. Say it again. As the Savior passed that way. Is that, is that it right there? No, that's not it. That's my scripture. You know, those things get in your mind. You just can't get them out. It's like that song that comes on the radio and the next thing you know, you're humming that tune all day long. Well, when I read this text, that song came back. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. But he climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. I don't even know if that's the right tune. I hope it gets in your mind. Because the thing that drove him to the tree was his littleness. The thing that got him out of his comfort zone. That made him realize the kind of man he was was not the kind of man that God made him to be. It was what moved him and motivated him to get up and do something about his problem. Many things could be said about him, but there is one thing that leaps out when you read his story, and that is the fact that he was little. Now, I understand that most likely that the writer there was actually talking about his physical stature. But if you read the whole story, which I did this morning, you will find that Zacchaeus was little in more than just stature. He had become little in the way he treated life. He had become wealthy at the expense of other people. He had stepped on a lot of other little people to climb the ladder. Because Zacchaeus had no regard for life and he had no concern for his fellow man or humanity, it was by hook or crook, whatever it takes to succeed, Zacchaeus had done whatever it would take to put him in the place that he wanted to be. He was small in the way that he treated other people. He was small in his attitude toward life. It was all about him. That's a pretty small world to live in when life is all about you. That's what ruins a lot of good relationships is life is all about you. And you can't get over you. 
And so you get hung up in life. Life breaks apart. Problems crop up on every side because you are bound and fettered by littleness. He was small in the fact that he didn't care what he had to do to get where he wanted to go. He was going to do it. He was small in that his world included only himself. A small man. He was little. Not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, relationally, in every way possible. This man was little. I've met some folks like Zacchaeus in life. As a matter of fact, there have been times that I have been like Zacchaeus. Tall on the outside, but little on the inside. Petty. Petty. Short-fused. Impatient. You folks look nervous this morning. It's like you're afraid I'm going to make eye contact with you because you think I'm talking to you. Well, I am talking to you. I'm talking to all of you. What I'm trying to do is get you in a place where you can overcome your littleness, whatever that littleness might be, so that your life can be improved. I've met a lot of people in life that major on minors. I mean, they're like that dripping. What does the Bible say about a dripping? It's in Proverbs. There's nothing like, you talk about get on your last nerve. It's that person that gets hung up on that one thing. And it doesn't matter what you call to talk to them about. Before you get through, you're going to be on that one thing, that little bandwagon that they live on, that little problem that they can't get away from, that little issue that's at the core and the center of their life. And after a while, you just want to hang up and throw up because you get tired of that continual dripping. I've met people in life that not only major on minors, but they trifle with life. They play with life as if it were a little thing. The consequences of their decisions, they don't think through. I mean, how many times have I sat down in my office with people and I've asked them, what were you thinking? And they just got that blank look, you know, that... Deer in the headlights look at you and say, well, you know, the truth is I, I wasn't thinking. Because if we actually took the time to think through what we're doing or saying, we would go back and, and, and say, no, 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 no. That, that's not a good direction for me to go with my life. That's not a good thing for me to say. That's not a good way to relate to people. That's not a good way for me to direct my life. And so if we would take the time, but people get caught up in the littleness of things. The littleness, the trifling with life. There are people that 
that that they they appreciate nothing. I don't care if God rained down gold in their front yard every morning. They would gripe because there wasn't any in the backyard. Hmm. I knew I had a message today. I just didn't know how deep it was going to get. God could bless them on every hand. And you ask them how they're doing. And the first thing out of their mouth is a complaint about what's wrong with life. Their kids have health. They've got clothes on their back. They had a meal to eat before they came to church. They had a car to drive in when they came to church. They got a job to go to tomorrow. They've got a house to go back home to today. It's air conditioned. It's got electricity. It's got running water. You don't have to go outside to do anything. You can do it all in the house. And yet when we walk in that house and look around, all we see is what's wrong with it, what is not right. This needs painting. This needs fixing. I wonder what would happen today if somebody would just step back into your house and say, Thank you, God, that I have a house. Thank you that I've got a home. Thank you that I've got clothes on my back. Thank you that I've got shoes to wear. And thank you that I've got food to eat. God, help me overcome the littlest in my life. There are people that are dwarfish in, your, in their praise. You could praise them all day long, but they're not going to ever take the time to praise you or anybody else. There are people that are seldom ever happy. I mean, ever happy. They wake up with that look on their face. And I don't care what they do in front of the mirror. It won't change that face. Because the change has to happen inside the person. To change what's going on on the outside of the person. And the unhappiness of life boils down to some stupid little thing that we can't get over. Or can't get beyond. Or we won't let go of. You know what? I, I have a hard time. I, I can't say I hate it, but you know when you, you you call somebody to find out how they're doing, and the first thing out of their mouth is a fault. I just want to hang up right then. Come on, open your eyes and look around. Get over that littleness. Do you know the truth of the matter is that most of us sitting in this room today have no reason to be unhappy? I could bring some folks by you here this morning. It would give you a reason to feel sad. Don Groff, 
I got a call from them just the other day. They only give him a few months to live at best. They're having to deal with the fact that life is going to end very soon for him. And they're going to have to do with life without him. You think you've got problems. I'm here to tell you that most of the problems that we wrestle with in life are not the major things of life. But we get hung up on some little thing. Something somebody said. Something somebody didn't say. Something somebody did. But when you weigh it in the context of life and you look at the whole picture, I am blessed. I'm blessed when I get up. I'm blessed when I lay down. I'm blessed when I go about my business because God has really been good to me. I find no fault in Him. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Would you let me just preach a little while this morning? Can I tell you what is destroying homes is littleness. What is destroying lives is littleness. What is destroying futures is littleness. What is destroying dreams is littleness. Amen. Littleness. Littleness. It frustrates life. It aggravates life. It puts us in a place where we, if we're not careful, we'll miss the best things in life because we're hung up on a little thing. A little thing. You know, sometimes we get mad at people and a week later we don't even know why we got mad at them. It happens in marriages all the time. When you try to go back and figure out what it was that got you so mad and so hot under the collar and you said those things that were not in the Sunday school lesson. Oh, yes. Little things. What did the great wise man of old say? It is the little fox that what? spoils, ruins, destroys, tears down, weakens the vine. He doesn't cut it off. He just spoils it so that it has to put all of its energy into saving itself and not producing fruit. The reason that people can sit around church all of their life and never produce any spiritual fruit is because they've allowed some little foxes to come in their life and they claw and they scratch on their root system and it aggravates them and it hurts them. And instead of going ahead and doing what they were made to do, produce fruit, they turn all of that energy into their self-preservation. little foxes it was just a little ways out the bible said of dinah the old testament character daughter in genesis i believe dinah was the daughter of isaac the bible said that she just went out to see the indication was she didn't go very far just a little ways but she went too far Because when the day was over, her life had been spoiled 
and her reputation ruined because of that little journey. Little journey. Before you turn me off, I need you to hear the rest of this story. There's some area of my life that's suffering from littleness. I need to deal with it today. And I'm going to ask you this morning, is there any area of your life that's suffering from littleness? If you could be just a little more patient, if you could just be a little more loving, if you could just be a little more temperate, if you could just be a little more understanding, if you could just be a little more... If you could just be a little more. Not a lot, but just a little more. It would make a world of difference. But is there any area of your life that's spoiling your family? It's spoiling your life. It's ruining your future. It's aggravating the people around you. It's making people not want to be connected to you because of some little thing that if you could understand what it does to life, you would get away from it as quickly as you could this morning. And that's what was spoiling Zacchaeus' life, littleness. Not just physically, but emotionally and mentally and spiritually. He had become a conniving, stealing, thieving man who made life all about himself. Until one day, Jesus came by. And something happened. Something happened. The Bible doesn't even go into the details of that. It just leaves it to our imagination. But something happened that day to Zacchaeus, Brother Jay, when he heard that Jesus was coming. Something, a light came on. Maybe he was standing in front of a mirror. Maybe he was looking at his reflection in the glass or in the water or whatever. But something triggered in his mind. And for the first time in a long time, Zacchaeus saw himself. I am a little man. You see, before you can ever overcome littleness, you've got to face the fact that you're dealing with littleness. And there's a lot of folks that live in denial. No, it's not my problem. It's their problem. I tell couples when they come to see me, and they say, well, it's our problem. One guy came in, counselor said, what can I do for you? Well, I'm here to fix her problem. The truth is, we all have a part in it. Yeah. But when you make life about others, and, and, and it's their fault, and they're the ones at the root of it, the problem begins to really be manifest in your own life that how small and little you are. For for Zacchaeus, the first thing, the truth that has to come to light is that in the long run of life, you've got to discover ourselves to be what we are. And that truth is what came to Zacchaeus. I am a little man. I've been little in the way I've treated people. I've been little in the way I've lived life. I've been little in the way I go about my business. I have been little in so many ways. And there is no help for littleness 
until you find yourself looking in the mirror and admitting that there's some there. That's the first step to overcoming littleness. You've got to admit that you've got a little bit of it. Now, anybody going to be willing to admit that this morning? Don't raise your hand. Because I know good and well, if I ask you to raise your hand, there would be a wife that would raise her hand, but her husband wouldn't because he's not going to admit nothing. And there'd be a husband raise his hand, there'd be a wife saying, not me. Or you'd be a friend, or maybe you're a friend just sitting there. They're raising, no, I'm not me, I'm not raising my hand. That's not my problem. And the fact is, all of us, everybody say all. All of us deal with littleness at some point in life. And it ruins, it ruins, it spoils, it, it destroys, it contaminates, it frustrates. And in order to overcome littleness, the first thing you've got to do is admit that you've got it. I'm admitting today. God, I'm struggling with some little things this morning. I'm struggling with a little attitude. Not a whole big, it's not an attitude as big as this room, but it's a little attitude. I'm struggling with a little jealousy. Oh, a little jealousy. Not, not, a, not a storeroom-sized jealousy, but just a little jealousy. I'm struggling with a little bitterness. Just a little. Just, just, you know, not a lot. If it was a lot, I'd go run into the altar and pray through right now, but it's just a little. And so you've got to admit that you've got a little problem. Anybody admit you've got a little problem? I've got a little problem. The second thing to overcome littleness is that you're going to have to find a higher altitude to live your life. Zacchaeus would never overcome his littleness on the plane where he had been at. He was going to have to climb something. A tree, a mountain, it doesn't matter, but you're going to have to get a higher elevation if you're going to overcome littleness. You're going to have to crawl out of that little hole you've been living in that you think is just the whole world. And you think the world, hey, if you're in a hole, I have good advice for you. Quit digging. And if somebody, if you're in a hole and somebody's dumping dirt on you, instead of getting mad, just shake it off and stamp it down. Because if they keep throwing enough dirt on you, they're going to help you get out of that hole that you're in. But Zacchaeus had to find a place where he could climb up a little higher because on the level he was at, he couldn't see what he needed to see. He had to climb a tree and get up where there was a little little room. You're not going to find the help that you need continuing to live on the same plane of life that you're living on right now. If you've got a little problem, you're not going to overcome a little problem if you don't move up a little higher. Amen. A lot of folks are ready to admit they've got a little problem. They're just unwilling to climb up. A little higher. And not just climb up anywhere, but he climbed up in a place where it would give him a better glimpse of Jesus when he came by. 
He came to the place he faced in the direction of the oncoming Christ. You see, you and I have got to do more than just bring ourselves up by our bootstraps. There's a lot of self-help things that can be given to you that can help you elevate yourself. But you will never elevate yourself to the place that you need to be until you're looking in the direction that he's coming from. Until you get yourself in the place where he's going to pass by, there is the place where you can really overcome littleness. He climbed a little higher. And there he was able to see Jesus. But lastly, even even if you admit that you've got a little problem, and even if you understand that you've got to change your location, you've got to climb high, you've got to get in a better altitude of life, you've got to climb up out of this hole that you've been living, even if you do those two things, Change will not come until you do this third thing, and that is respond to the voice of God when he begins to speak to you about your littleness. That when the Lord begins to speak, that you respond. There is no cure for littleness if you let him pass you by. You say, well, well, I'm going to wait till next Sunday. I know i got a problem. I know I need to get over it, but I'm not ready to get over it yet. And I'm gonna, I, next Sunday, next Wednesday, next Thursday, next week, next month, there's a lot of folks putting off happiness to another day when if they would just be willing to listen to what he has to say, he could draw them out of their littleness. He could bring a change in their life that would change everything about them. You see, you and I have got to do more than just understand we've got a problem. We've got to be willing to respond to his call, and we find the answer to life when we respond to his voice in our life. Zacchaeus. Come down. I'm going to your house today. Salvation has come to your house today. Salvation. That's a powerful statement. Zacchaeus, I'm going to free you today. I'm going to save you from all of that stuff that's wrong in your life. Not just your sins, but all those attitudes that have been there, that were the undercurrent of why you became the man that you became. All of those issues, those prejudices, those things that you just couldn't let go of, those hurts that happened to you a long time ago that helped carve and and, and make you the man that you became. I'm going to come to your house. I'm going to save you from that. I'm going to tell you there's a way out of that life and there's a way out of that misery. You see, we find the answer to littleness. Only as he did by making haste to come down and go with him. Amen. The reason we aren't disturbed, though, is because you know it didn't hurt too bad. A littleness. The littleness is what keeps us from doing anything because. It's little. It's, there's just not much there. I'm not that bad a person. I'm not that far away. How far away do you have to be to be lost? I don't know. But I would rather live on the opposite scale. 
There's an interesting story, and I'm going to close. The interesting story in the New Testament at the Last Supper. I don't, I've tried to imagine what it was like. Historians say that most likely there was a large stone that, was, that served as a table that was in the middle of the room. And typically they would come in and they would align themselves around the table in their place. And Jesus had this one place that he would sit and he would, he would reach out and take the bread and he would dip it and, and, and he would partake of it and then he passed it on. And it was in that context, that intimate little area, that Jesus made this revelation known. One of you shall betray me. Now, typically, according to Josephus and some of the other Jewish historians, they would recline on their right elbow or their left elbow and they would eat with their right hand. So that means if they were sitting at a table, they would be leaning like this. And so everybody around the table would be leaning in that same. They would recline on their left and they would eat with their right. The interesting thing is that when Jesus made that revelation, Matthew recorded, and I believe Luke may have recorded, and the response of the disciples was, is it I? Are you talking about me? And it starts around the table. Is he talking about me? 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 The only one that didn't record it like that was John. Now, John's place was to the right of Jesus, which means that when he reclined, he reclined his head on the bosom of Christ. And when John asked the question, he didn't say, is it I? He said, who is it? Seems a little arrogant, doesn't it? John thinks he's better than all these other guys. They're all introspective. They're all looking inside and saying, oh, is it me? John's bold enough to say, who is it? The only reason that I seem to come to find any understanding of that story is John was the only one that was close enough to be on his bosom. And when you're that close, you don't have to worry about, is it I? It's those that are leaning away from him that are always wondering, is he talking? Is he preaching to me this morning? Is he talking about my family? Is he talking about my marriage? It all depends on the direction that you lean. John wasn't arrogant. But there is something when you get that close to him that will not let you fall into littleness. Amen. There's something about being close to him. You don't have to be afraid. Littleness is not going to rule your life. And the, pre- the presence of God that's in this building right now, God sent me this morning with a message 
a message to deliver to some folks in this building that if you would just move a little this morning, you could overcome a little. That if you would just get that little thing and put it on him, just a little thing can keep some people away from him for a long time. Just a little beyond the crest of the hill. Little faith. The offending of these little ones. The Bible said it was a little leaven. And what did it do? It affected the whole lump. Just a little. Just a little. It may just be a little bit of fear. But that little bit of fear is keeping you trapped in this world of doubt and worry and, and anger and frustration. It may just be a little bit of, 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 of thanklessness. It, it, it may just be a little spirit that you're struggling with. It may just be a little thing that has bound you and it has held you in chains for a long time. That if somehow this morning you can hear the Word of God... you freed from that littleness you could find a relief it wasn't that far he didn't go that far but it was far enough to get him into trouble you may not feel like you're that far away from him but if you're leaning in the wrong direction that littleness that distance could be damaging It was a little lamb that got David in trouble. A little lamb. David had the kingdom. He had everything he wanted. He didn't have to worry about anything. He was the ruler. He had power. He had authority. But one day, he stepped out on the balcony of his house, and he looked in a direction he probably shouldn't have been looking. And he saw Bathsheba bathing. His lusts were inflamed. He wanted her. He had to have her. And so he brings her in. Sin is committed. And then he finds out that she is with child. And so now he tries to cover it up. He makes bad things worse. He goes and calls for her husband to come back from the battlefield. Tells her, you, you guys have some time together, hoping that he could cover up his sin. But that man was so loyal to David that he would not. He slept on the porch of his own house. David forgot about it. He just let it rock on until one day there was a knock on his door. Nathan. Oh, Nathan, how are you doing? Nathan the prophet. What, what what you come for today? That's so good to see you, Nathan. Nathan said, David, I have a story to tell you. There was this man. He had everything. He had cattle, sheep, fields covered. Everything that he had flourished. And there was this man that had one, and the Bible calls it, little lamb. One little lamb. That's all, just one. Little, a little lamb, not even a full-grown lamb. And this rich, wealthy man 
instead of taking from what was his, took this man's little lamb. David, there was such fury that rose up in his eyes. He said, that man is unworthy of life. We need to stone him. That's wrong what he did. Who is that man? Who are you talking about that would let a little thing ruin his life? Nathan said, David, you're the man. David, you've let a little thing ruin your life and mar your kingdom and mar your rulership of God's people. A little thing. I'm not come to be heavy and mean today, but I'm just wondering how many of us are bound this morning by some little thing. Some little hurt. And really it's, you, you know, when you compare life, hurts typically aren't. I mean, they may have seemed like a mountain at the moment, but when you look back over life, they're so small. But we've let a little thing get in our heart. And we can't forgive them. We can't let it go. We can't get over it. We can't get past it. And we miss so much that God has for us. Because of our littleness. Oh God. I had no idea when I woke up this morning that it was going to be this kind of service, but I just came to deliver the word. I wonder if there's some little thing that's keeping you from being sold out, that's keeping you from healing a breach between people in your life, relationship, restoring relationships. It could be just a simple thing, just a, a simple little phone call. It could be a simple note or a simple letter. It could be a simple apology. Not something that's used to manipulate somebody to get what you want, but a sincere from the heart brokenness. God, I don't want my life to end up this way. A little thing. I want to encourage you this morning to do what Zacchaeus did. The Bible said he made haste. He got down out of that tree so fast. Why? Because he knew what he felt. He knew what had got a hold of his heart. He knew what he had heard from Jesus. He knew what the Lord was speaking to him. And he said, I refuse to let my life be ruled and ruined by littleness another day. How many today? If they would just be willing to do that. Make haste. Don't wait. Don't put it off. There's not a better time. Do it now. This morning. Forgive them. Just let it go. That's, that's just, just let go of it. Let, let God have it. Let's stand together.